welcome to the noblebaby.com podcast and today is episode three and we are going to be discussing the essential supplies needed for homeschooling and as always if you want to hear more about this topic you can find out more specifics and kind of um, a written version on the noblebaby.com And um, you can also leave your comments and your feedback there. And if there's anything that we missed, maybe you can give some suggestions in the comments um, on the site and see what other people are saying about it too. And you can also see where to visit us on our other social media sites at thenoblebaby.com. So, okay, episode three, supplies for homeschooling. And I think that this is where new homeschoolers tend to get worried about homeschooling and this is where veteran homeschoolers tend to um, start to really go into overkill mode is supplies. So I wanted to talk about supplies that you need for homeschooling because when I first started homeschooling I was really unsure if I could do it because I just thought about the traditional public school classroom and how at the time when we started homeschooling, it was the end of my um, oldest child's kindergarten year. And I just kept thinking, there's so much stuff in his kindergarten classroom. And if I take him out of public school, what the heck am I going to... um, replace all that fun, awesome stuff with. So all I could think of is like they had a reading corner and they had the big calendar bulletin board and the teacher had tons of books and they had puppets and they had computers and they had a science station and um, learning toys and blocks and tablets and you know, they had a music room that they would go to for music and they had um, a library that they would go to for library and they had... Um, the gymnasium for PE with the PE teacher and like, you know, basketball courts and all the sports equipment that you could ever think of and an awesome playground. And it was a new building and the playground was super awesome. And I just thought maybe I'm really doing him a disservice if we leave here and we homeschool because look at all this awesome stuff that he gets to use. But then the more and more I thought about it, I realized all of that stuff, it might be fun and cool, but number one, you hardly get to use it all day. Like the playground, the really cool, awesome, brand new playground, they weren't always allowed on it. So at lunchtime, they only had 15 minutes at recess and 15 minutes for food. So he never got time to finish his lunch especially if he bought lunch and had to go through the lunch line. And then he had 15 minutes outside, but they weren't always allowed on the new playground. Sometimes they had to use the old, like, small, not really fancy playground. And then if it was raining, they had to stay indoors in the classroom, which they had some games to play and everything, and that's awesome. But we lived in Japan, so when monsoon season was there, it's like they were on indoor recess playing these little board games or whatever in their classroom every single day for a long time and you know they were there for about seven hours a day or so and they weren't seeing the outside ever during that time if it was raining other than to walk to school in the rain or to walk home in the rain um 
And then I started thinking about music. And they were only in that music room once, three days consecutively for 50 minutes each time. And then it would be like three more weeks until they rotated into music class again. And then did they get to play the piano themselves? No. But did they get to sing songs together? Yeah. And they got to do um, some little like hand instruments that kindergartners do. So, you know, I, I thought that the group experience was cool in music class, but then I thought about it and he really didn't get that much of music class when you really weighed out the time of it all. And then I thought about PE and physical education. I knew some homeschooling families, they don't, um, they're not really into like the PE thing and that's fine. But you know, PE to me, I wanted him to learn like the sports and the group games and about exercise and this and that. And then once again, their schedule was one 50 minute class, like three consecutive times every like three weeks or something like that is when their class got to rotate into PE and PE was fun, but it was a short time. And some days they weren't even really playing games together. A lot of the days it was a lot of um, fitness testing and seeing where your student was like, how many sit-ups could they do? How many push-ups could they do? Um, how fast could they run the half mile or three, four mile or mile, whatever, um, that they're making them do it in kindergarten. And um, as long as my child was exercising and I show them how to do those things and teach them that exercise is important and we do some group activities or pick a sport that we want to engage in after school, would we not be actually getting more PE than we're getting in public school that we're currently enrolled in? Yeah. So while they had some cool facilities like, you know, the indoor basketball court and an outdoor soccer court and all that, he didn't really get to access it very often while he was at school. So that was something that we could make up the time because it was a short amount of time. So, um, and then in the classroom, of course they had the reading books, but those are kind of limited to that kindergarten level. And the more we worked at reading at home, obviously we were very rapidly going beyond the level of books that were available in the classroom. And then they couldn't take their time with the books. They had a specific reading time or specific reading, um, little starter books that they had to learn their phonics and learn to read. And those are really all they had access to. And towards the end of that year, the teacher actually began sending her books home with students because she had so many, she wasn't really using them. And she wanted them out of her classroom to make way for new books. And, um, it was really nice of her to lend those out and give those to students in her classroom. But then I realized like, we have so many books that um, we can get from the library. We can get used at secondhand stores, at thrift stores, um, on Amazon, that we could probably get you a lot of books that are kind of going to advance your reading level rapidly, and you would have your own free time. You would have more time during the day to decide how much you specifically want to read. So that kind of um, changed that idea for me. And art was the same way. You know, art was a fun class for him, but they only got it once again, 50 minutes every few weeks, three consecutive days. And obviously one art teacher and about 30 students in a classroom 
makes the art project a little bit limited for what the teacher can do with that many kindergartners in one class. Um, and once again, the things in the classroom were great, but so many times during the year, they were requesting, bring in crayons, bring in glue, bring in scissors, bring in paper, bring in tissues, bring in Lysol wipes, bring in markers, bring in this, bring in that. And it was a community supply list. So when you bought supplies for the classroom, you weren't buying supplies for your child. You were buying group supplies. They all got poured into a big bin of crayons and then all the crayons got divided onto each table. And like every table had scissors for as many students that sat there. And that meant that if I was spending this extra money on buying these really awesome supplies, my child was probably never going to buy the extra nice scissors that I bought. And if he was stuck at the table with broken scissors and there weren't any other scissors and he didn't break them, well, he didn't have scissors to use for that project. And then he had, you know, six kids waiting for the same one pair of scissors at the table, the broken crayons, there's no tissues, there's no um, hand washing because they didn't want them to get up and down from their table. They wanted them to use antibacterial gel, which was always running out. So I quickly started to see once I really thought over the supplies, I think I can actually supply all of your needs that you really need in school. I can give you those crayons for kindergarten and your safety scissors and your pencils and your pencil sharpener and your paper and some books and workbooks and we can make it work. We don't need a fancy gymnasium to learn about exercise and we don't need, you know, 500 colors of oil pastels to learn about art, especially when you're five years old. So if you are a parent that's new to homeschool and you are struggling with the fact that you're worried that um, maybe you can't compete with public school or private school, you don't need to compete with them. You just need to provide exposure and education and the chance for them to try some of these things out. So if you start to find that your child has a really big interest in art and you really want to add that to their homeschool, but they don't really have a large interest in PE, well, make sure that they know about the importance of exercising and make sure they know the basics of some games that they should know. But, you know, don't rack your brain trying to figure out how you can recreate a traditional PE class in your homeschool because you don't have to as long as you're giving them some exposure and give them an opportunity to maybe play you know a rec league sport or join the YMCA or something and actually most YMCAs do have a phys ed class for homeschoolers that you can take depending on your area if that's important to you and you don't know about it so you don't need to compete with those like big huge things that public school is providing chances are your kid might not even be able to you know, actually touch the piano in the music room ever because it might only be for the teacher forever. Um, so we have found that, you know, some of those issues that I was kind of wrestling with at first thinking, 
I'm taking you away from all these awesome facilities, I realized that he would have more exposure to those type of things being homeschooled than he was having in public school with those things being dangled in front of him that he couldn't really ever use when he wanted to use them. But now at our own house, he has a really high interest in art. So he has a gazillion colored pencils now that we have been homeschooling for a few years and watercolors and oil paints and can paint on canvas. And obviously it took us a few years to build up his big art collection. We didn't buy it all at once overnight, but that's okay. Because in public school as a kindergartner, they're not going to supply you with every oil pastel and oil paint and watercolors and your own personal canvases that are unlimited anyway. So you're going to start out small and then you can grow as your child's interests grow or as your curriculum leads you in a certain direction. You can do that little by little and you don't have to worry about spending thousands of dollars when you first start out because it's not necessary and it's not, it's not really important in the beginning anyway. Now what I do think are some essential supplies that you really do need um, are some basic things. So first of all, you're going to need your curriculum and you will have to do some searching and decide what curriculum is best for you. And if the budget is your biggest burden or your biggest concern, there are ways to homeschool out there that are totally free. And there are ways to get really inexpensive curriculum if that's something that is really a necessity for your family right now is just saying, I need to only spend, you know, $50 per child for curriculum. So I don't think I can do it. Well, that's wrong. You can, you can homeschool for $50 for curriculum per child, but you have to make some other certain sacrifices. Those would be not buying brand new boxed curriculum because those are going to be your most expensive curriculums and those would be things like borrowing curriculum from others, buying used curriculum, um, and using the library frequently or using some sites online that allow you kind of a planned out curriculum for free and those do exist as well if you're comfortable with the content and using them depending on what's you know important for your homeschool. So that is an option. So you have to kind of like look through different types of curriculum, see what kind you're interested in, a hands-on approach, a workbook approach, um, a living books approach. You have to look and decide what type of curriculum is right for you. And then that curriculum is going to dictate your supply choices. Now, if you are doing preschool, you're going to have a really easy way to go. You need some basic stuff some pencils, some crayons. Um, you know, you don't have to have markers because I know some people don't like to do markers with preschoolers and kindergartners because it can get crazy, but you know, a few dollars should cover your basic things, papers, pencils, hand pencil sharpener. You don't have to go out and buy a fancy electric one if you don't have the money for that at first. Um, the dollar store has great workbooks for preschool age and they really work. We've used a lot of them. So if that's your budget right now, that's okay. You can do it. If you spend time with your preschooler and you show them letters and you show them the letter sounds and you go to the library and you get library books and you just read, read, read and teach them the letters and the numbers and the sounds 
and let them create developing their motor schools, motor skills with um, crayons or washable markers or watercolors that are washable, anything like that, they are going to pick up things. They're going to learn things. Sing songs with them. Go on YouTube. It's free. Um, find the the weather songs and the ABC songs and the number songs and make sure that they can dress themselves and brush their teeth and wash their face and, um, you know, brush their hair. And these are all parts of preschool. Preschool has a lot of life skills that you can incorporate into your school day. Teach them how to play games, how to kick balls, how to catch balls, how to um, share things with siblings, how to put toys together, how to stack blocks, talk about the colors, um, do little simple science experiments. One thing that is great for preschoolers, it's even great for lower grades, is cooking in your own house. Um, if you feel like you're limited and you really want to add some science into like a preschool to a second grader's life, have them help you bake. Have them measure. Um, have them see the reactions that happen. Look it up online. Look it up on your phone. Get a book from the library that talks about um, these easy science things and measurements and the fractions and these are great lessons if you are trying to keep your budget for supplies really low and you want to use what you already have in your house. Now, older kids, you may be getting into like the need for some science kits and um, experiments and things like that. To save on this, you can join a co-op or you can join another couple families and say, hey, let's split the cost of a science kit. Or you can do things um, like on Amazon, we have ordered... Magic School Bus Lab Kits, um, they're fairly inexpensive. There's other science kits um, like at Walmart and toy stores, and you can use those. You can build upon those with um, your own lessons and your own curriculum, and you don't have to go buy some fancy $200 science kit to still teach the basics. You don't need that. Um, and let me tell you, public school is not spending $200 per child per science kit experience <laughs> anyway, because there would be no budget for that. So you are not doing them a disservice by feeling like you're not buying the most expensive thing. Um, some really important things I think for all ages is a water bottle of some type or a water cup. It just will make your life easier for them to have one cup and they use it all day long in homeschool. And most likely you won't have to buy that. Most likely you have it at your house already. But that is like one of my tips for homeschool supplies is everybody needs their own water bottle or their own cup that they refill. Um, it'll save your life a lot of hassle. Another thing that I highly encourage all new homeschoolers is number one, have a chore chart. You can print this, you can write this on paper, stick it on your fridge with a magnet to be saving money, or you can order some kind of like fancy one online have a chore chart. Have a chore chart, stick to it, post it somewhere. It's good for your homeschool schedule. You can stay with a homeschool schedule better if your kids have a posted list of expectations besides just schoolwork. Um, it really does help you with school. It really does help them learn time management. It really does help them learn responsibility. So if they have been public schooling before and they have never really had chores at home or responsibility at home because you're just busy getting out the door and getting to public school, well, that can all change and they can contribute to their house. 
and um, the work doesn't have to be all on mom and it's not anything mean. I used to feel mean about chores a little bit, but I came to realize it's it's a life learning lesson and it's a good responsibility to learn at an early age. So have some kind of a chore chart. You can make it or buy it. Um, a whiteboard or a chalkboard, I think, is really important. It doesn't have to be a huge one that takes up a whole wall. It can be small, but a whiteboard or some type of like chalkboard or chalk painted wall somewhere, these are good for posting schedules, posting the date, practice writing letters if they're little kids, writing out math um, and like algebra formulas, things like that for older kids. They are good for kind of keeping a running tab of who's doing what and crossing off tasks that you've done if you have a large family um, or just explaining something to somebody who is a more visual learner and they're not catching on to something. A whiteboard or a chalkboard, it does not have to be huge. It can be a small one if you don't have room for a big one. We lived in Tokyo before, so we didn't have tons of room in our house and um, I never had a huge whiteboard or chalkboard, but I did have one of those like stand-up easel ones from Ikea, and we used it a lot for a lot of different concepts um, throughout different subjects. You also really need a place to write your school schedule. Now, this, I think, it needs to be something that is permanent and it is small enough to keep. So a planner or a binder or a folder even on your computer. And this is not only a place to write your school schedule for your children, it is a place where you can track your attendance. If you don't feel comfortable tracking your children's own attendance, you can go online and there are homeschool attendance trackers, but they do charge you money. So I don't use those because I don't want to pay for it. But I track my attendance right in my child's curriculum big planner binder. I save the binder every year, and that is um, my proof of our days of schooling. It's my schooling schedules. It's what books, what pages, what lessons we've done. Every single thing that we've done every single day gets crossed off and marked down and written into that big curriculum planner for the year. I save it. There's one for each child, and that is how I can show the work that we've completed, the work that we have to go, it's how I keep on schedule, and it's how I legally have an attendance to turn in um, to a school district should we need to prove our schooling, which actually next year we will be, we'll be moving again. We'll be leaving Texas, and um, our next state will be a little bit a little bit more strict, so we'll have to show that to the school district, but um, not not super strict, but um, I've been doing this for a few years now because I wanted to be prepared and know what I was doing when I changed to a state that was going to be a little more strict on um, regulating those kind of things. So now I feel comfortable that even though I'm getting regulated for the first time with homeschooling, I should be totally prepared and I shouldn't have anything to really be upset about. So that's an important um supply and that's a parent supply not a children's supply because they can't lose it and they can't ruin it you, that's your own supply that you need to teach them um, another one I would suggest to you is whatever you need to focus and get through your day like coffee tea 
a special drink, a special treat, a special thing that's important to you as the homeschooling parent, get that. <laughs> there's going to be times where, and, and, you know, if there's something special to your child too, if they like a special thing, um, then have that on hand so that if they really are struggling with a concept and then they finally get it and you can just give them a reward or even if they don't get it and they've been working so hard and diligently and you can just give that them a little reward. And for kids, that might be a, you know, a sticker of Disney princesses or something, but whatever is important to them, a Disney princess sticker or a special kind of coffee for you have that on hand and give yourself an enjoyable moment because there's going to be times where you are frustrated and something like that can really just um, take a little bit of pressure off of your school day. So I would also say a necessary homeschool supply is basic art supplies. Now I am not talking about you know expensive oil pastels or fancy canvases. I'm just talking about Crayons, colored pencils, markers, they can be from the dollar store, whatever, but you need some of those. And some, um, I like to keep construction paper on hand, although we always run out of construction paper and I can never, I say keep it on hand, but I can never keep it on hand myself. So, um, paper, lined paper and, um, plain white paper for my printer and plain white paper for art. Um, I also keep coloring books in those little maze activity books. I wouldn't say those are necessarily art supplies, but I would say in a crunch time, if you have a little kid that is running out of things to do and they're bored, and then you have an older kid who needs help with a subject for a longer period of time, if you give the younger one a coloring book or an activity book and some markers or crayons or something just to keep them busy for a few, um, that will kind of split up their waiting time or just make things run smoothly. So basic art supplies. Also because most curriculums for kids are going to have certain places where, you know, they're going to need a mapping activity and they're going to have to color the Midwest orange and the South yellow or something. And so if you have those few basic things on hand, like markers, crayons, colored pencils, um, or like colored pens or whatever you like, have a few of those basic things and then you don't have to worry about it when it comes up. Now that is for someone who's just home started homeschooling and they might not feel like they need it. You don't have to go buy new ones if you already have them, but if you don't have them, it will make your life easier. Um, a good pencil sharpener. I like to use regular number two pencils for my kids. Some kids use mechanical pencils. My kids write too aggressively for mechanical pencils and they break them all the time. So we invested in a good pencil sharpener. It was a little bit expensive, but you know, we had homeschooled for a couple years before we finally broke down and bought an expensive pencil sharpener. We were buying those dollar store, um, handheld pencil sharpeners and they were kind of just ruining our pencils. So eventually we got a nice one. And let me tell you for homeschooling, a good pencil sharpener is like awesome. And also kids really love to use electric pencil sharpeners. <laughs> so whatever that's worth, um, they'll really enjoy it. Um, things like graphing calculators for older students, that obviously depends on the level that your child is in in math and if it is a necessity for the curriculum or not. My child that would technically, if he was in public school, would be a fourth grader. He's higher than that in math by a few years. 
he has not needed anything like a graphing calculator. Now, if he was in public school, they would have already done some things with graphing calculators. Um, but most of those things were just kind of silly. A lot of it involved like estimation of this and estimation of that and like how the calculator works. And we have been more focused on mental math and being able to figure out the problems, you know, down to decimal points and doing that with mental math and solving it longhand if you need to, but using those mental math skills so that you're not relying on a calculator for everything that you do. Um, I know that in public school at a very young age, I became very dependent on a calculator very quickly because we started using calculators very early on. And I'm not against calculators and I think every kid should know how to use them, but it is important to build your math skills before you start buying things like $100 graphing calculators for sure. But if your kid is at the level where they need that, you know, then you can budget that in. There are sites where you can buy used ones and there are math programs for homeschoolers that include the graphing calculator in the price and you can get it kind of discounted. So keep that in mind when you're shopping. Um, some things that I think are a luxury item for homeschooling that you don't have to have, but it's awesome if you do have. If you have a tablet or a Nook, obviously you can put educational stuff on it. Obviously you can load it with some a lot of books. But, you know, that's your personal preference. If you like your child to read digitally or if you want them to read just old school actual books that you hold, um, that's kind of a preference. The tablet, both of our children do have tablets, but they weren't purchased specifically for homeschool. We just happened to have them and pass them down to them. And they have educational games, but they prefer to not use the educational games. <laughs> our kids prefer to use the, like, silly games and not the educational ones. So our tablets are more used for a free time regulated um, fun activity more so than an educational purpose. Um, one thing that we do actually use more educationally than fun is actually um, Netflix. And I am not I'm not advertising Netflix. I mean, if you have Hulu or Amazon or something else, whatever. If you don't use any of them, that's fine. But we have found a lot of good documentaries that are suitable for children on Netflix. So you can find a lot of those on YouTube and you can find a lot of those just online as well. PBS, NHK World has a lot of good ones from Asia. So we just find there's a lot of interesting educational programming out there if you seek it out. And it tells them some really interesting information. And I find myself learning things from those documentaries as well. So we kind of add that in sometimes on like fun Fridays or if it's rainy outside and it's the afternoon and it's our free time, but we're, everybody's getting bored, you know, we can do, um, like some hot chocolate or cut up an apple or something and watch a fun science documentary. Um, there's also things like Bill Nye, the science guy, which is a good break from science, actually physically doing science in your home. Um, just watching it, they can get a lot out of it. Um, Bill Nye is also great for reinforcing maybe a unit that you've already finished, kind of just like recaps of what you've been doing. Um, I would say a laminator is a great luxury item. You can find them for a decent price, but that's kind of, you don't have to have it, but if you do have it, it's really awesome. And I find that I can save a lot of money on construction paper if I would laminate things and reuse them. I never do it, but I could. Um, 
the graphing calculator, depending on the age, and really a calculator in general, depending on their age, is also a luxury. And if you have a calculator on your phone and you need to show them something, you don't necessarily have to go and buy, you know, something that's expensive. I know like the dollar store even has some really basic calculators. So if you have a young kid and you just want to show them how to operate it just for a lesson, then that's a great way to go. Um, now this one, I don't want to say is library or I mean, is a, it's a luxury, but it kind of, it is a luxury depending on where you live and where you're homeschooling from. Having access to a really good library is a luxury for sure. Um, I wish every single person homeschooling had access to a really awesome library, but the fact is there are a lot of people homeschooling remotely and that's why they're homeschooling because they're in a remote location for whatever reason for a while and they can't get to a library or the library that they have just doesn't have that great of a selection. So an awesome library is a luxury, but if you are within a distance of a decent library, I would say make that a necessity, make that a school supply that is a necessity. And I know some people don't like to use the library for homeschooling because they rack up fines, they lose books, they owe money, the books that they want are not there or they have to reserve them and it's a hassle. But in that case, what we've been doing is we have just been going to the library for extra books, not for books that we have to count on for our curriculum because our libraries near us I mean, I just don't, they're not that awesome. And a lot of books that I want, they don't have, or they're not in, or the children's section's small, or you can only have them out for like a week and a half or two weeks. And then you have to return in. I can't promise that I'm going to be there in two weeks and then I'll have a fine or something. So I don't utilize the library as much as we did in previous years, just due to our location. Um, but in previous years, we actually used our library more and we thought it was awesome. This year, not so much, but this year we use the library in a different way. I just only go there for books that my kids want to pick just for their own free reading. They get to pick whatever they want as you know, within reason, not like books for high schoolers or something like that, but whatever is in reason within reason for them, they get to pick them. We come home, we put them in one spot and those are the library books and they go in what we call like the live, the book basket. Anything that's in the basket or on a certain shelf is all from the library. So it all gets returned to the library. We don't take them in our bedrooms. We don't take them, you know, in the car or out and about with us. We only keep them in our one reading area, um, for, library book reading time. So that has eliminated our fines and lost books and things like that. Um, obviously the other essentials that I think that you need is reading books. They don't have to be from the library. They can be, um, books that you have or books that you buy. And if you are unsure of what is appropriate or what is my child's reading level or how do I know, there are a couple sites online and I'm going to link them on um, thenoblebaby.com and they are two easy and free tests to test your child's reading level. Now, if your child tests really high in the reading level, which like my son tests way higher than his actual grade level and probably like his, you know, just psychological level, if that's what you want to call it. And I don't want him reading certain books that are actually on his reading level. I just 
keep that in mind. And I kind of use the reading chart as a progress gauge. I can see that if we test our reading level every six months and we're making progress, I know we're doing something right. If we were testing and we were like falling behind, then I can see something is wrong. So those are free. One is like the San Diego reading assessment and one... I forget the name of it, but I will link it at thenoblebee.com and you can click the link and then you can take the reading test with your child for free and have that information. I think it's really important to have and it's a great gauge and something to keep track of for your homeschooler. It's quick, it's easy, it only takes a few minutes and they kind of get to show off about the things that they know. So it's a good confidence builder. Um, so access to books of some type. After you find out their reading level, I think a great school supply, you don't have to buy this, but a great school supply is a good book list, a reading list or a book list. And at thenoblebaby.com, I will have a PDF book list and um, it will have a list of books that you could use for reading time and you could kind of, you could incorporate it into your curriculum or you could use it just as like free reading for your children and I will leave the book list up there and you can download it on the PDF. Um, I'll have like a little link in the homeschooling section and you'll be able to find it. And I will break it down by age level slash grade level. And those will be books that are appropriate content for those grades. There's gonna be no, um, you know, kind of more more things to kind of out there like in the um teenager adult ish kind of section these are books where you're not going to have to worry what is in the content of the book and um while my son has listened to hunger games at nine on audio i listened to it with him so i can make sure like what was going on in the book um there won't be anything like Hunger Games on there. There won't be anything like Letters from the Inside, if you're familiar with that book. Though they have a lot of um, probably questionable content that um, just because your child can read it doesn't mean that they should read it. And sometimes new homeschoolers just want to get an idea of like some awesome books that they don't know about. And I, a lot of the books I didn't really know about until I started homeschooling. And then I started branching out and reading these books and finding really cool ones. And I would like to share them with other homeschoolers who kind of are at a place where they don't know what to get from the library or they don't know what to buy or they are looking at homeschool curriculum online and the online sites are maybe charging them a lot of money for a book list and um I just don't I don't know I think it's a real disservice to charge a lot of money for a book list so um this will be available on thenoblebaby.com and hopefully that will help you with some of the supplies as for extra things like backpacks and lunch boxes. Those are kind of all things that are necessary for public school, but for homeschool, they are kind of like a luxury item. If you need a backpack to go to a co-op or go to sports or something, then that's awesome. But you don't have to buy your kid a 30 to $65 backpack that looks really cool that you have to compete with other people to get on the bus every day. Um, it's not important. You don't need it. And if you don't have a backpack, get a grocery bag and go to co-op with that. <laughs> so you don't have to have it. Um, you also don't have to have 
you know, like really super fancy ruler, but you should have a basic ruler. Um, you should have maybe even like things like a yardstick, a protractor, a compass, depending on how old your child is. Those are also going to help you out. And obviously, um, a clipboard for us is a necessity for when we're walking out and doing nature walks and things like that. But it's not a necessity if you choose to um, buy some of those really cheap notebooks with the little spiral on them. Those can work great for nature notebooks. Um, you know, you can get them for like 25 cents, 10 cents even. And the biggest thing I would like to say about homeschool supplies is do not buy your supplies at the traditional time where public schools need the students to buy their supplies. Wait until after they're back in school and then buy your supplies. It's way cheaper. They will still have everything you need. Beat the crowds, save your money, and just do it like that. You also will most likely have money left over where if you want to buy extra supplies and donate them to kids who don't have school supplies, we tend to do that every year, at least donate like a little something. Um, you know, I can buy crayons for five cents and that means I can buy multiple packs and I can donate some packs to kids who don't have those and need them on a school supply drive. So just some things to keep in mind. Now also throughout the year, you can keep a running list of the supplies that you have and look for the sales and look for things that are highly, highly, highly discounted. I would never buy any school supplies that are not discounted. And unfortunately for curriculum companies, I will not buy curriculum that is not discounted as well because some of the curriculum gets quite pricey. But if you buy it at a non-traditional time when others are not buying all of their curriculum, I usually see things up to at least like 40% off for a whole box curriculum. And that's a few hundred dollars saved. So look for those things. Don't buy at the traditional time. And then buy extras based on what you see your child's interests are and where your curriculum is taking you. If you're getting more into science experiments with older children, spend more money on that. Spend less money on the art supplies that maybe you've already accumulated. Um, if you have a preschooler who really likes the hands and stuff, spend a little bit more money on buying, you know, a $5 game of shoots and ladders and a $5 game of Candyland and use that time of sharing and interaction and that $10 is well spent versus maybe like shapes that are bean bags and maybe your four-year-old already knows all the shapes and you can just draw them on paper. You know, you decide where the money is most well spent in your homeschool and do not recreate the school supply list of the public school because you don't need to and you don't have to and you're not doing them a disservice. You're letting your curriculum and your child's interests and um, special talents dictate where your money is spent. Research online for um, curriculum swaps. Research on Amazon for used curriculum. There's a lot of it out there. And check around with other people you know at churches and at group activities. And it's not even always homeschooling people. Find somebody who wants to get rid of some books. Find, you know, a library sale where they're getting rid of books. You can buy tons of books for like pennies a book, um, which is totally worth it. Um, go to Half Price Books and ask them, 
where is the clearance? Where homeschooling? Where's your homeschooling section? They usually have a homeschooling section. Um, you can also look at that online, halfpricebooks.com. And you can call them and you can tell them we're homeschoolers and we're looking for, you know, a book about chemistry. Do you have any? And if you don't, will you take our name and make a you know, make a note that if you get some in, we want to buy them and they will do that for you. And there's actually a lot of stores, especially small businesses, um, that you can contact and they will tell you when those things come in and when used things come in and clearance items, and they're happy to sell them and get them off of their shelf, even if it means at a discount. So take advantage of all of those things. And if you do join a homeschool co-op or something, See if your co-op has a like teacher discount card because there's a lot of stores that will give you discounts for a teacher discount card. And you can ask office supply car, um, stores and teachers, stores, just ask them, we homeschool, can we use the teacher discount? So um, there's a lot of places willing to give that to you and that will make your supply list and your supply money go farther. So keep those tips in mind. And if you want to find out more about school supplies, I will have like a condensed list on the noblebaby.com. There will also be the reading book list on the noblebaby.com and you can check those out as well. Thanks. See you next time.